Welcome to the Enrollment Insights Podcast. In this podcast, our goal is to focus less on the promise of best practices and instead look for the processes and the questions that spark internal reflection and lead to novel solutions tailored to your institution. Happy New Year, everyone. I am Angela Brown, the Senior Enrollment Insights Leader for K-12 at NICHE, and I have two fabulous guests for our second annual resolutions episode. Today, I am joined by Aubrey Birch and Tara Clays, who many of you may know as the brilliant minds behind the Mindful School Marketing Podcast. If you are not familiar with today's guests, I will get into a bit of background for you so you know who we're talking to today. Aubrey is passionate about supporting small and independent schools to increase enrollment, retention, and revenue. We'll be touching on a lot of that today with our resolutions. As the daughter of lifelong educators and the mom of two independent school students, she combines her passion for schools with her 20 plus years of marketing and development experience to help schools identify and implement high ROI initiatives. She is the founder and CEO of Easy School Marketing, co-hosts the Mindful School Marketing Podcast, as I mentioned, leads the free Small School Leaders Monthly Meetups, facilitates the Small School Solutions Professional Development Program, hosts the Small School Leaders Virtual Conference, and speaks nationwide. My goodness, you're a busy lady, Aubrey. (laughs) And Tara has a marketing background going back to a time before the internet was a thing, which I don't believe because she does not look anywhere nearly that old. Her extensive experience creating WordPress websites for schools has resulted in well-designed and functional websites within a small school budget. Very important. Her company, Design TLC, makes the website process easy so schools can focus on growing enrollment instead of spending hours creating a website that doesn't accomplish their marketing goals. Aubrey, Tara, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hi, thanks for having us. We're so excited to be here. Of course. It's great to have you. So before we get into our resolutions, we're going to start with our two questions that we ask every guest in every episode. The first is, what is something you tried that didn't work and what did you learn? And Tara, I'll start with you. So we are big fans of the always questions. They're they're (laughs) great. It's it's good to have a a record of what people say. So I'm I'll be curious to see how how we line up with your other guests on these questions. But for me, you know, trying to answer this in a maybe more unique way is that I have tried many, many things. And I, I wouldn't say that they necessarily didn't work because I think, what is it? How many hours you have to spend before you can become good at something? I think it's more for me, it's been a matter of trying things that didn't work for me or that didn't spark enough passion in me to commit to what it would take for them to work. So I think a lot of things could work. For me, I've tried playing the piano because I love music and I have a lot of music in my family, but my piano teacher quit on me. So that was a good sign that I was not either committed enough or not good enough. I also learned to play the guitar a few times. I'm terrible at karaoke and every time I do it, I have nightmares afterwards. So I know that's something that doesn't work for me. But if I committed myself to it, maybe I'd be really good. And then, you know, then it would be fine. So, um, so for me, you know, in the career path that I've chosen, I'm really passionate about it. So it's something that I've tried. And there are different elements of that within that uh, website building business that have worked better than other things for me. And but I really think it is all about commitment to making something work. 
I will say the one thing for sure that I'm terrible at and that does not work for me and that I've learned about myself is that I'm terrible at manually tracking my time. I've tried every kind of time tracker there is. I am like a pro productivity geek. I like have tried every tool there is. I have 17 different calendar things I've tried, <laughs> all this kind of stuff. But but when you if I sit down to track my time, I'm such a multitasker, which I know is bad. I'm just really bad at that. So that's my that's my answer. <laughs> Oh my goodness. That's the, I, as someone who once worked at an agency, I, I can empathize with the time tracking because it's really hard. Aubrey, you're up. All right. I'm so excited for this question because it really got me to think like, I was like, oh, I could say many different things. But the one that really spoke to me was as a parent and a school professional for many years, I really tried to do everything A++. I, I, I like to say I'm like a recovering perfectionist. <laughs> and I also tried to do it all, right? I, I'm sure many of your audience members are probably in this similar area, but it took many years for me to learn that like when we do this and you spread yourself so thin and we aim for perfectionism instead of progress, we tend to burn out and not get the important stuff done. And that's what I realized. <laughs> and I learned that, and it's something actually I work with my clients a lot because so often they, they'll want to, just like me, like my old self, be like, this isn't right. It's not perfect. It's not, you know, it's not that A plus plus effort. Like we gotta, gotta make it perfect before we put it out there. And then what happens is they miss, you know, their, their weeks behind in the annual funds or, you know, they're, they're behind in their marketing emails because they just can't do it because they had this high expectation. So I really aim for this B plus effort, which I think is a really good, nice notion of perfectionism is not productive, right? And so if, if it can also make us miserable. And I think this gives ourselves, if we can give ourselves grace and give others grace when they make mistakes and things aren't quite perfect, I think that's gonna go a long way to making our whole world a better place. Uh, it's something I personally do with my kids every day. I ask them like, so what kind of mistakes did you make today? How many do you make? And we celebrate them and say, what did you learn from them? And they say, mommy, how many mistakes did you make today? And I'm like, 50,000. <laughs> and, and I learned from them. And so we give each other high fives. And I, I just really want to pass along that mentality of it's okay to make mistakes and you learn from them. And it's part of learning and growing. And if we don't make mistakes, then we're not going to get to where we need to be. So what a great message for the new year too, right? Because it's a time where everybody is focused on goal setting and fixing themselves, you know? And I think it's also really important to remember that we can give ourselves a break, even at a time when there's a lot of pressure to put more pressure on ourselves <laughs> for, for the types of people that we're going to be in a new year, right? But part of that is, is, is having some good balance and being able to accept mistakes. I like that that B plus mentality. I'm going to start using that myself because I am also a recovering perfectionist. So I heard that. I felt that. So what our next question is, what practices do you use to brainstorm and bring new ideas into your work? And this is a favorite of mine because I love hearing about how different people with different backgrounds and different settings approach this. So Aubrey, why don't we dump it back to you and then we'll go to Tara. Sure. Oh, I this I love this question too. So I'm a lifelong learner. I get so excited about learning and I think that's important, right? <laughs> so I'm a lifelong learner. And so how do I like get generate new ideas? Like it's really reading. I'm talking to people. I'm dialoguing. I look outside our industry, in our industry, and I just get lots of ideas. But I think my 
game changer came to me when I, when I started taking long walks in the morning with no podcasts or anything in, and just in nature and boy, those ideas just came, like I'd be thinking of a client and all of a sudden I'd have 10 strategies to bring to them at our meeting later that day. Cause I was just that open mind space to let the creativity in and you know, all the new ideas, it just, it's amazing. And it, it's worked every time. So a walk every day in nature is absolutely a requirement for me in this profession. Tara, how about you? Yeah, I think similarly, and of course, Aubrey and I have connected on this idea of, you know, of mindfulness. Uh, and that's why we have that in the title of our podcast, trying to, to approach everything with a mindful attitude and outlook, because we're both into that. So journaling is something that I try to do. And you know, it, going back to that idea, of what have you tried and didn't work? It's probably not something I'm super good at, if you can be good at it, because I don't do it every day. But, but I think journaling is really good to clear your head when because your, your mind gets so full of stuff that sometimes it gets in the way of you being able to move forward. So journaling, going for walks, meditating also, and just taking a pause. But I think also, you know, reaching out for resources and having colleagues that you can bounce ideas off of is also invaluable. That's why you learn things that you might not have known about or become aware of things that you didn't know about. And then, you know, on this, along the same lines, podcasts, you know, there's some great podcasts, yours included. And then Aubrey and I are also big readers. So, you know, looking at self-improvement books, something that my Goodreads list is really, really long. We're exchanging books as Christmas gifts with our adult children. And so my daughter shared her Goodreads list with me and it had like 40 books or 24 books on it. And mine is 140. Whoa. <laughs> so I have a lot of books to read, but a lot of them are, are self-help books. So... Oh my goodness. I'd, I'd love to see that list. That's a lot of books, but I'm always, I'm always looking for ideas. So, you know, and I know that you guys do a great job of asking about different books that people are reading and books that you would, that someone would recommend for high schoolers and in schools on your podcast. So that's a great resource as well, which we will also include in our show notes. Thank you. Yes. That's a great Goodreads list. A lot of my books came from that mindful tool marketing Goodreads list. I love it. So now it's time to jump into our resolutions. And we have a lot of topics we're going to get into with Aubrey and Tara's extensive experience working with schools in different capacities. We're going to start with Aubrey's resolutions for enrollment marketing. And then Tara's going to share her thoughts on school websites. So our first resolution is to stop putting all your eggs into the enrollment basket. Aubrey, tell us what you mean by that. Oh, it just makes me laugh and smile at the same time <laughs> when we say this. Yes. So, okay. I, I know people are going to get mad when I say this, but look, you know, enrollment is important. Yes. But retention is really important. And so when we're looking at schools and we're looking at large admissions teams and how much time we're taking with planning admissions events and following up with admissions leads and everything like that. And then uh, we look at retention at schools and we're like, oh, where's your retention committee? So what's the, you know, internal marketing strategy for your retention and stuff like that. And you kind of get that, not me, you know, it's not, it's not my, it's not me. I'm not it. Someone here must be it. There's no leader and, and people are like, I'm not quite sure. Or they start off strong at the beginning of the school year and it just kind of dives. But the truth is it costs, it takes more time and energy to attract new families than to keep the ones we have, as we probably all know. And the latest research, thank you. 
niche, niche to, uh, I always say it differently than you do, <laughs> but thank you for this wonderful da data that they've just put out because uh, it really does talk about how important retention is. Attrition is real and it's happening. And I'm thinking in years to come, it's going to be more of an issue probably, but how many of us are spending the time that we spend on admissions on retention? We have an all-in attitude, I think, when it comes to school. Everyone's like, I'll be there at the you know, admissions event. I'll do this. But when you bring up retention, like it's not that same, let's do it. We're all in. So I think this is something that schools definitely could really think about moving into the through the 2023 and beyond. If we think about it, enrollment only feeds in the enrollment cycle, right? But when you focus on retention efforts, you're feeding the, the entire cycle. When people are happy, they share about your school and mm -hmm. they also share with their friends and everything like that, which is more and more important. We'll get into later. And then that comes back and helps with enrollment, right? So if we keep making our families happy and we work on the retention, then it's going to help our enrollment efforts as well. So, you know, these are questions to ask. Does everyone know, you know, the why behind why we should retain people? This would be great to share data around this, right? Is there a plan for your retention efforts? Does everyone know that plan? Mm -hmm. Are they being held accountable? Is there a lead for your retention efforts? Because without a leader, people will do the not me game and then you never <laughs> kind of just fall right. the floor. So also are your meeting regularly and how, you know, what is your internal marketing strategy? Because we're talking about marketing too. Those are all things to ask yourself as we're moving through 2023 and beyond, because retention is something we definitely need to prioritize. That's so important. And it's, it's funny, the internal marketing piece, I, I think is something that a lot of schools miss out on. It's not just about sending out a newsletter and sharing information and deadlines and dates with your current families, you have to continue to reinforce the value for that tuition that they're paying. And I think we've all had those situations where you have a parent that complains or put something in a survey about something that's missing from your program. And then you're all reading it and looking at each other and saying, well, we do have this, but it's for a different grade or a different division. And that just speaks to the need for that internal marketing, you know, and that there can be a gap sometimes when parents are so focused on their children and their grade and that moment in time, they're not necessarily aware of other things that might be happening. So it's really, really important. It's just as important as the external stuff for sure. Number two. Stop ignoring your online presence. And this is really important because even though we're going to cover websites a little bit later, this resolution speaks to the fact that your digital presence is about more than that, right? Absolutely. I, I mean, I know, Tara, websites are extremely important. But if you think about how parents search for schools, how they like to learn about schools, they really want that peer-to-peer -peer kind of information. They want to know what really happens at the school, right? And yep. so where do they find that out? They find that out from other parents. But as your surveys indicate, as well as you know, the interviews that we've done with parents, is they, they not only are talking to parents, but they're actually online looking at what other parents have said. They don't have to know these parents. They just want to see, hey, what was your experience? What really happened? How did you handle this situation? You know, and that influences them in their next steps. And so it really is so important to be actively looking at your online presence. And I say there should be a system. And this date, you check it. On this date, you try to load your review sites. It's really important because what we've seen happen 
interestingly enough, especially over the past two years, is that when parents are upset, like let's say a parent left your school a year ago, surprise, surprise, guess who's reviewing your school come enrollment time this year? It's that angry parent who left the school and they're just on your site. We've seen it happen a couple of times already. Oh no. It's not good. In addition, if people are unhappy with admissions decisions or your admissions process, we've seen that pop up on these review yep. sites. Yep. And like, you just need to be mindful of like in these online forums and stuff like that. We just need to be mindful about what's out there. And that's so important. And then the other piece of that is the social proof can positively impact people as we know. So, I mean, I always think about when I went to buy my yoga pants, you know, they're $50 yoga pants or something like that. And I'm like reading about the fit and the durability of the pants and how great they are. And <laughs> I'm like reading like a hundred reviews. I'm like scanning. I'm like, what's the negative one? I want to look at the negative one and see if like you get that hole in like that weird place that you don't want a hole in your yoga pants. And that was only for a $50 product. Okay. So we're, you know, when you're looking at $25,000 a year for an education, you know, people are going to be really searching. <laughs> <laughs> and yes. they're searching and they're looking at your online presence. So definitely, I think this is something for people to keep an eye on and make sure it's a priority as they move through 2023 and beyond. I actually, in a recent webinar that we did around our parent survey, I walked people through what prospective parents see when they start with Google search, because our data shows that that's where they start. That's the number one place for families who are starting a school search. They're not already familiar with a list of schools that they're looking for. So they're starting from scratch. And it's really useful to go through that exercise yourself and to see how difficult is it for a family to find your school's website? What are the other things that they see that can help you get added to that shortlist or removed from it. And those reviews are a really big place to start. So it's really important as often as you can over the course of a school year, and you don't have to necessarily do it every week, you know, that, that cadence isn't necessary. But to your point, it's really, it's just another way for you to put yourself in the shoes of a prospective family and see exactly what they see and know what that narrative is. I love that you brought up the first, like the Googling yourself. I think that's so helpful. Not many people think to do that, but you know, see what comes up on that first page. We've seen some interesting glass door reviews <laughs> that or, yeah. or prospective families will go through the whole entire admissions process and they'll get to the end and they'll tell the people, wow, you're nothing like that. That reviewer said you were and the, the admissions office is going, what reviewer? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly. What did they say? <laughs> exactly. So. Exactly. If nothing else, it helps to prepare you to respond to those questions that pop up when they arise in the admissions process. So our third resolution is to start understanding what families are thinking and using it to deliver an exceptional customer experience. You know, this is one of my favorite topics. So tell us more. Oh, yeah. I think we could probably have an hour-long discussion about this, but I'll keep it short. <laughs> we could. <laughs> <laughs> this is something I'm very passionate about as well. So, you know, we're seeing a changing consumer. As you're looking at how people buy things, especially education, this is a product. I mean, and we do have customers. You know, people want to see that the product was delivered as promised. And so how does a school figure out if that's actually happening? No, a lot of times at schools, we like to sit in a room and talk about what we think is happening and like what <laughs> parents are, are probably feeling. And maybe we've talked to one or two. And so we base our 
whole like strategy or experience of like, oh, everyone's happy or there's a big problem here on like one or two parents instead of saying, you know what, maybe this is something we need to dive a little bit more into. And as customer service if you, and customer experience is becoming more and more important across the board, not just for education. If you look at it all over across the board, you know, when I'm upset with Amazon, I call them. <laughs> 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 and I want an immediate resolution, right? So customer experience across the board is super important. It's really important for us to say, okay, how do we, how do we figure out what parents are thinking and families are thinking? And so what we've found is that if, if we can just either survey them or take a multi-pronged approach of maybe you do in-person coffee and conversations with parents, then you also have an anonymous survey. Maybe you dive into third-party interviews, but it's really important for you to have a multi-pronged approach for gathering what parents are thinking, understanding their experiences. Because once we understand their experience, we can identify issues that are going to head off attrition pretty quickly. And we can probably fix them or at least have a sense of what is going to happen. <laughs> but if we right. don't have that data, we can only guess. And then like we get to, you know, re-enrollment time and we're like, what happened? So that is really important and really delivering hands down a great experience. It really is coming down to that. And that's why as school leaders, this should be at the top of our priority list. And that can look a lot of different ways, right? One of the things that I always try to remind people is that your teachers, your faculty, they're on the front lines. They're the ones that are actually driving that experience. And so even if you're aware of some gaps or some challenges at an administrative level, you have to make sure not only that you're taking care of your faculty and working on retaining them, but also if you have people who are not necessarily delivering at the level that they need to be, how are you mentoring those people and giving them feedback so that they can improve? And if, if that doesn't happen, well, then what, right? Because that's when people are paying for something, you know, I hate to make tuition charging education transactional, but on an increasing basis for a lot of families, it is if we're being honest. And so they're expecting a certain level of service. And so you have to make sure that you're aware of any gaps that might exist as administrators, but that you're also ensuring that you're supporting the faculty who are doing really well and delivering really well, and that you have a plan in place for, for those who might have some opportunities to improve. Absolutely. I'm so glad you mentioned that. One of my favorite books is The Ideal Team Player, and it talks mm -hmm. about the best qualities in team member. And, you know, and then they talk about what happens when you don't have those qualities or they're out of balance. <laughs> and that's what a lot of times happens at schools because someone might've been there for 25 years and they're yeah. in that position, but maybe it's not the right position for them. And that's fine. How do we mentor them? How do we help them grow or not grow? Then what happens next? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Our last resolution for the recruitment and retention category is to start focusing on student-to-student -student marketing. And I love this one. This was one that came up in a really big way in our recent parent survey when we looked at the role that students were playing in searching for and choosing the schools that they enrolled in. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Aubrey, because I think it's an area where everyone knows that they need to do something. <laughs> they just don't know what that is. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, I, I love that the survey said 60% of K through 12 parents said that their children played a role in choosing the school they enrolled in. That is so true. And I would say on our front from interviewing parents is also 
especially for middle school and high school, choosing if they stay too. Yes. So this student to student marketing is not just enrollment based, it's also internal marketing too. And it's just becoming more and more important. I think it's challenging for people because a lot of times we plan in isolation. So we plan events, initiatives, and we're kind of in our offices doing it with our team members, but we have to think of our audience. So what we think would be a really good admissions event that's going to really attract those high school students might totally not be because that's not what they're looking for. So <laughs> when we're looking at student to student marketing, involving students in the, you know, as you know, either with an ambassador position or even beyond, how can we involve students in the planning process for enrollment and also for retention efforts too? I mean, they are the decision makers. And I think this is going to be continuing in the future for sure. And it's so important for how we involve them. I look at my son who's in fifth grade right now, the middle school students come down and do projects with him in fifth grade. And you know what he's saying? He's like, mom, I cannot wait to be in middle school. He is so excited to be in middle school. That's a great retention piece, right? Because he's getting to know those students and he's seeing in them, this is where I want to be and I want to stay for middle school. So that is the importance of really making sure that you're using your students in a way to attract other students to your school, but also to ret in retention efforts. It's that internal external marketing piece at work again, which is perfect. It's a good way to kind of close the loop. We came full circle on the recruitment and retention front. So now we're going to switch gears and get into our resolutions for school websites. And I think these will be really helpful, whether you're planning a complete redesign this year or if you're just looking for some ways to make sure that your current site is helping you to achieve your goals. So our first resolution is to stop ignoring your website. Tara, tell us what you mean by that. Well, I see this a lot and I do this myself. We're all guilty of it, but not looking at your own website and thinking almost putting it on the back shelf, thinking it's kind of a one and done thing or just forgetting to check in on it. So, you know, I think websites are the front door to your school. And so it's really important that you keep it, you know, clean and polished and updated and the paint's not chipping off of it and all that type <laughs> of thing. So, you know, are things out of date? Do you have blog posts or a news article on the front page, homepage of your website that's from six months ago? That's not making a very good impression that you're on top of your website or that you have fresh content. So making sure the content's fresh, your images, this is what I hear all the time from schools. Oh my gosh, the kid in that picture at the top of my homepage is now in college or you know, <laughs> has children of their own. So making sure that your images are up to date, that your staff listing is up to date. You know, I think it's really important that schools have it scheduled, that whoever's in charge of the website or someone at the school is checking on it at least every month, just going and looking at it, just spending five or 10 minutes clicking through the pages, making sure everything's working properly. I think in your survey, 54% said that the website was the, the most influential engagement tool in making, mm -hmm. in making mm -hmm. their introduction and their connection with the school. So you've got over half people that are using your website to guide them in their next steps. So, so make sure that you're paying attention to it. I think that's so uh, such an important thing to note because often I'll go on a school's website and there'll be a staff member, like they'll have a video up there that's like of a staff member that is no longer there, left like five years ago. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's not really relevant. So when those prospective families are coming through, they're like, oh, how is, you know, Mr. You know, Joseph? And you're like, oh, 
yeah, he left five years ago. Yeah. So like the up to date thing is really important. Or like they forget to change their open house dates or yeah. Like, yeah. Yes. or they're yeah. still Our talking tuition. about yeah. annual fund twenty twenty one and it was twenty twenty two and now annual fund twenty twenty two and they're talking mm. about you know, it's now annual fund twenty twenty three. So all those things are so relevant and so important and, and it's really important that you look like professional and up to date. So yeah, thanks yeah. for sharing that. Yeah, tuition also, right? Make sure your tuition's correct. I was just going to say that. If you haven't updated that. So yes. all of the content. I think also, if you're not looking at your website, you're not noticing things that might be broken. And that happens no matter what platform your website is built with. Things break, software breaks, glitches happen. You're connected to, let's say you're connected to a Google Calendar, maybe that connection is broken. So going in and just checking to make sure if you're just putting your eyeballs on on the pages of your site once a month, making sure that nothing's broken. Just schedule it on your calendar. Make a little appointment. Yes. And I would say check your pop-ups too, even though that's something yeah. that's re- it's right on the homepage, but oh, I see yeah. outdated pop-ups all the time for outdated events, open houses, outdated content. So really make sure if you have a snow day, your pop-up for that one snow day shouldn't be up four days later. So just make sure that you're yeah. you're checking on that. And even though it's not directly website related, I would also add checking your ads. Because yeah. something that I see very, very frequently on Google is ads that are outdated. So things that are promoting events that happened a month ago or three weeks ago. You know, so making sure that those ads are current, you can't just set and forget those either. And that if, it, if the goal is to drive traffic to your website, right, you want to make sure that you're driving traffic with things that are relevant. For sure. Yeah. I was going to list a few things that people can do during this little check-in time that they have on their website. So checking the speed of your website is important because when you're looking to improve your search result rankings, one of the things that Google looks for is that your website is loading fast. Under three seconds is what they say, but you want it to be even faster than that if you can. We use a tool called GT Metrics. It's a free tool. You just put your URL on there and it will, not only will it tell you how fast your website is loading, it will also give you other metrics to tell you how your website is generally performing. And what we see happen a lot is that people load big giant images on their website right from their phone that are three megabytes, they're huge. Mm -hmm. And those end up slowing down a website. That's one of the number one reasons why a website loads slowly. And if your website loads slowly, not only does it impact those Google search results, but it also is a bad user experience, especially on mobile. So, um, So test your website every month or so when you're when you're looking it over run it through the gt metrics or another speed test and then also looking at your google analytics and google search console those are those will show you if there's something really that's gone wacky or wrong you'll see that because you'll see a drop in your analytics uh, and search console you can look at your rankings where your where your website's positioning and then the last thing that i'll mention which is related to what i was talking about with things being broken is there's a free tool called broken link checker yes and that will let you it will crawl your website for links that are broken and they may not be your links you may link to you know um, maybe uh, an episode of a you know of a news broadcast that featured something about your school and they've that was three years ago and they've taken it down so broken links are frustrating for people it doesn't leave a very good impression, but also that's another thing that Google will see. And so you want to do a broken link check on your website as well. So those are some basic things that you can do to stop ignoring your website and just make a date with it every month to spend a few minutes just checking it over. 
I love the idea of making a date with your website. <laughs> and I would also say if you have not made the switch to Google Analytics 4, please, please do, because we are running out of time for you to be able to reference historical data. If you wait until this summer to make that change, or if this is the first that you're even hearing about the fact that you need to make that change, please go ahead and do that. It's actually not very difficult. And the sooner you do it, the more historical data you're going to be able to access and the faster you'll be able to get up to speed so that you understand how to use it. You know what the differences are between Google Analytics 4 and the previous version of Google Analytics. And you'll just be much better positioned to do the type of analysis that Tara just mentioned. Yes, I will. I will do a three second rant on Google Analytics 4 <laughs> because it is I just am I'm mourning the loss of, <laughs> of universal analytics. And I hear this from all of my SEO people too. I mean, it is yep. just it's not user-friendly, is not easy to find the stuff that you could easily access before. So sorry to say you have to do it, but it is, it is not pretty. <laughs> yeah, there is a learning curve. So, yeah. you know, the faster you start going up that curve, <laughs> the better it's going to be. Yes. Yeah, I think that also that that's scheduling the time to do that. I think as school leaders, we tend to overpack our schedules and yeah. take on too much. So schedule the time, like set aside the time and hold yourself accountable to that time to do that, right? And also for those website checks, like even like little pockets of time. If we, it's not on the calendar, it's not going to happen. This is the truth. <laughs> so thanks for all those great tips. Those are awesome, awesome tips. So our next website resolution is to start connecting your website to other marketing tools. And I know that this is something that a lot of schools can struggle with. So Tara, I'll let you take it away and, and tell us more about that one. Sure. So I think that it's easy to think about your website as a standalone element that's separate from all the other things that you're doing. But thanks to the wonders of technology today, there are lots of ways to connect those things and make sure that they work together to help your, your whole enrollment process work more smoothly. So your website is a key piece of that whole picture, but you need to, to know that it can connect to other tools as well and make and it will save you time. So, you know, having your CRM, whatever that is, your customer relationship management tool, something, you know, whether it is a school related, something that you're using like a Blackbot or something like that, that has a whole process built into it, Inquiry Tracker, Digistorm. There's lots of these CRMs out there that are made just for schools to use. And they can easily connect with your website or you can connect to them from your website. So you can have a form on your website that connects to these tools, depending on which one it is. Social media is another one. So we see now more and more that embedding your Instagram feed on your website is a great way to have fresh content without having to give access to your website to your staff and without having you having to make an extra step because you're posting on Instagram anyway, the pictures look really nice and it's a great way to add fresh content to your website. So thinking about using that content in other places is also really helpful. Application management, similar to what I mentioned about the CRM, they're sort of the same thing, right? Where you have all your portal for your families, connecting that from your website as well, making sure that it's easy for enrolled families to find that information on your website and that it's working. And there are many other things that we use a tool called Zapier, which will do some really magical connections between different things. For example, if you have a form on your website that is 
collecting responses for a survey or for an open house or something like that. You can, and let's say if, you're, if your website's on WordPress, which is what we use, you can connect that form to a Google Sheet. So it will put all of that data into a Google Sheet for you and you have it all there, easy to access, filter, whatever you wanna do. So Zapier can do some really amazing things too. I love geeking out on those, those tech <laughs> tools. I don't know, do you guys use Zapier for anything? We actually don't, but I've used it in the past. Yeah. And so I'm very familiar with it. And um, I also, I mean, this is like, this is dating me a little bit, but there was that like, if this, then that yeah. tool that was really, you know, that, that was really yeah. popular. It's yeah. still around, but yeah. you know, not, a little bit more, more robust than that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's like the next generation version of that. Yeah. But it's also a great workaround, you know, if you don't have a really robust CRM system and you're still kind of bootstrapping some of your tools, that's a really great workaround. There's a lot of stuff out there that can help you to achieve some of the same logistical goals mm -hmm. without, you know, if you don't have the budget for a CRM system or maybe it's something that you're not ready for this year, but you might be looking at next year, it can serve as, as a, as a stopgap, especially if you're using something like a WordPress for your website. It gives you a lot of flexibility. Yeah, well, and it's affordable, so you can do mm -hmm. all those bootstrappy type things. I used to use IFTTT <laughs> to send me an email when it was going to rain the next day. I mean, you can use it for Ooh. tons of things. It's very fun. <laughs> yeah. And I I think this is so important, these connecting your website to all these tools, because, the, I mean, Tara, I know you and Angela, I know as well, you are like tech productivity people like you know what <laughs> what to connect you know all the cool apps and stuff and all the amazing tools that are out there for schools right now there it's just it's you know you the possibilities are endless for what you can do i know that we've had schools who never even considered using a scheduling tool on their website and now they're using it and they're seeing a dramatic increase in people scheduling tours and, oh, and yeah. everything like that i mean before they were like oh email us and like yeah, that, yeah. that's not a that's not a Great, great way of uh, getting people scheduled. So what a now, time saver, right? Yeah. And that's what people, I mean, when I go to a website, I don't want to have to call somebody. I don't want to have to fill out a PDF and print it out. I mean, let me just go on and look at when I can come and schedule it and have it done and check it off my list. I don't want to have to go through four steps. So yeah, absolutely. That's a great example. It's scheduling tools like Calendly and those types of things are great. Yeah. This is actually, this is where I'm going to rant a little <laughs> and, and give you a bit of a teaser about one of the things that I'm planning to talk about at the small schools conference that Aubrey's hosting in February. But just the the notion of removing friction from your processes and opportunities for engagement with prospective families, because it's not just with schools. Consumers in general want self-service. They want to be able to use a chat window to ask a question. They want to be able to schedule a meeting on their own time without playing email tag with someone else. <laughs> you know, they, and they don't want to wait. You know, people want to be able to take the actions that they want to take when they want them. And if you want to move them through your enrollment funnel in a reasonable amount of time without them getting frustrated, without them abandoning ship altogether, because they are going to continue to move forward with your peer schools if they are better at this than you are. You have to make it easy for families to engage with you. And that's everything from being able to find appropriate calls to action, to take the steps that you want them to take, all the way through, like, is your inquiry form too long? 
How hard is it for them to schedule a meeting or a tour or to get in touch with someone about a very specific question? Because if they do want to learn more about something like financial aid, right, then yeah, you want them to be able to get in touch with someone, but you want that information to be clear and that person needs to respond. Those are all really, really important things. Don't make it too hard for people to connect with you. And that goes back to the site speed as well, because if it takes too long for your website to load, they're going to leave and you're not going to get those families back. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Great points. Absolutely. So our final website resolution, and this one's really interesting to me, it's actually counterintuitive to, to what we've heard, you know, in this debate and this tension between like, who is the website for? Is it for our prospective families? Is it for current families? Is it for donors? Is it for everybody? And so this resolution is to stop thinking about your website as only being for prospective families. So I would love to hear more about your take, Tara, on how schools can do a better job of balancing the way that they prioritize these different target audiences with their school sites. Sure. Yeah. I mean, of course, no doubt that the main focus is new families. I mean, that, as we've talked about, it's, this is a marketing tool. It is the front door of your school for people who are trying to learn more. So there's no question that that is where the emphasis is and, and should be, but you can do that and also make the site something that is going to make your enrolled families proud. So going back to the very first thing, checking your site, is it up to date? All of those things are important for prospective families, but they're really important for your enrolled families too, because they go on your website. They're going to share it with people who are asking, right? They are going to talk about your school and they're getting a feeling from so many things. I mean, Aubrey talked about this, you know, already, but you know, all of the different touch points and the different connections that you have with your enrolled families includes your website. And how does that fit into your retention strategy? If your website is out of date and ignored, that's giving a feeling that you don't care about your image to the people who, that you want to stay in your school. So how can you engage them more? Right? How can you keep your, your website fresh with new content that's going to make your enrolled families feel proud and good? Why not have them participate in it? I mean, I think there's such a lost opportunity in many cases. I talk to schools about this, about using your community in your website, having them write a blog. I mean, you have English classes or they have to write. Why not have them write and use that content on your website? It'd be really interesting. I and mean, if I were looking at a school and I could go and see what the English students are writing, if I could see a blog post about why, you know, why Jackson really likes to play on the playground at your school, that's really neat. Like that gives me a very warm, friendly feeling. And I don't see that happening very often. We have stories on websites where we feature a student, we feature alumni, we feature a parent, we feature faculty, and that's great and really important as well. But why not also have them participate in the creation of that content? I think there's a really big opportunity. And I think we're going to see more of that because of these other connections that we can make, right? Like if they are doing something on Instagram, and then you can have that display on your website, that's an opportunity to also show more personality about your website and give your community a face on your website as well. I love that. It's also a way to take things off of your plate, right? As you're thinking about, you know, you don't have to write every blog post. You don't have to 
think through and produce all of the content that goes on social media. There's a lot of opportunities, even though I know that people have some anxiety around this, right? Especially turning things over to students. That's a conversation I find myself having a lot. There's a lot of fear and anxiety about can we let a student manage our Instagram account for a day or can we let them write and can we let them do different things? But I think what what you will find as as marketers and enrollment leaders is that your students are hungry for opportunities to get that experience, to share their stories. That's why we all get those requests, right? Because fill in the blank club wants an Instagram account. It's because (laughs) these students want to produce this content. So you can channel that, use their powers for good, give them some guidance and direction and allow them to show a different perspective of what life is like as part of your community. Yeah, you could create an incentive, you know, get some excitement around it, create some kind of contest or something where people are really excited to participate with maybe some incentive involved or something like that. And speaking of retention, I mean, parents want to see their students and see the work that they're doing, I mean, see their their children as students and see the work that they're doing and everything like that. So it's a retention piece as well. So it's it's appealing to prospective families as well as current families. So I think it's such an important thing. You can see that having this type of content on your website is something that parents will want to share. So then you're taking it from your website and you're getting your website shared more often because there's this content on there that parents are really excited to share with their community as well. So it's it's a win-win. Yeah. It's a great content amplification tool for sure. (laughs) Well, this was a wonderful conversation to kick off the new year. There's lots of great takeaways here and hopefully lots of inspiration for our listeners. And we'll definitely include this information in the show notes. But if people want to connect with both of you or learn more about your work, where should they go? You can find me, Aubrey Bursch, at easyschoolmarketing.com or on LinkedIn, Aubrey Bursch. Also, I'm so delighted that both Angela and Tara will be um, at the Small School Leaders Conference, so smallschoolsconference.com. They're going to have amazing presentations. In addition, Tara and I have a podcast, Mindful School Marketing, so you can go to mindfulschoolmarketing.com to learn more. And my company is called Design TLC. And that's designtlc.com. I'm also on LinkedIn, Tara Clays, C-L-A-E-Y-S, but also Design TLC on LinkedIn as well. And yeah, check out the Mindful School Marketing website because we have an amazing Goodreads list. And Aubrey and I are both really passionate yes. about books. And we talk to our guests about books. And so <laughs> we have developed this amazing resource. So check that out too. Definitely a great resource. I'm a big fan. So please check it out and give both of these ladies a follow because they share some amazing content and lots of good resources. And I promise you will learn quite a bit. So thank you both so much for your time, for hanging out with us for the Enrollment Insights podcast. And I'm looking forward to see more of your awesome work in the new year. Thank Thank you, Angela. Thanks so much for having us. Yes, thank you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. 